1: What's up, everyone? It's Noah Daniels, and we're here for another episode of The Cryptid Countdown with Joshua. Joshua, thank you so much for doing another episode.
2: Yeah, I've, I've been loving doing this and meeting all the good people, and uh, talking about cryptids, it's, it's one of my favorite subjects. So uh, ready for another episode. Yeah, and I think we're on number six, is that right? Seven. Seven, seven that's yep. right, yeah.
1: Number seven on The Countdown. And Joshua told me that we were doing vampires tonight. Spoiler, so I thought, What better human, sorry, I mean, vampire to bring on the podcast tonight, other than Jules, AKA the Hex baby Jules. How are you doing?
3: Oh, I'm just fabulous. I love this topic and I'm excited to be here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's safe to say. Jules came to us via Becky a while ago and did a handful of episodes with us. So if you want to hear more of Jules after this episode in the Real Hauntings universe, just search her name in iTunes or Spotify, wherever you look within our podcast, and you'll see a handful of episodes come on. But we are not here for Real Hauntings, so to speak, tonight. We live for the vampires. So Joshua, why don't you tell us why you picked this for our topic tonight?
2: Yeah, um, I think vampires is, is something that everybody has a little bit of knowledge on, but maybe it's not as expansive as it could be. Um, and honestly, vampires are, are kind of just fun to to talk about and think about. I know my first experience with vampires was unironically Blade, um, and that just kind of started the the trend. I, I wanted to know more about it. I was kind of a kid at the time, so I was this was a com- completely new world to me. Um, and then I went to New Orleans and learned about uh a lot of their vampire culture just in general even dating back to their own vampire stories and that kind of really unlocked it for me um i you know i don't really know if i could classify vampires as a cryptid it's kind of a hybrid because it's kind it kind of is but it kind of isn't and then on top of that there's like offshoots and kind of a counterculture thing going on with you know uh vampires so i I picked it because it's so interesting but i think it's uh, i think it's a, a cut above you know bigfoot and you know, sea monsters and, and stuff like that. So uh it has a, a bigger human connection. So it lands at lucky number seven. Yeah, that's awesome. And I saw
1: Jules nodding and I was as well when you mentioned Blade. I mean, Joshua, I don't know. How old are you? you I'm 29. Me asking? 29. Okay, so... <laughs> 29 you're a little bit younger than me uh i don't know why i sounded like you off my lawn but um no um as i am in my elder 30s but blade was one of the kind of the first introductions into the vampire world for me as well and one of my first introductions to wesley snipes i can't remember yeah if i watched demolition man first but Those two movies I I really enjoyed with Wesley Snipes, but Blade especially. I mean, it was it was gory. The action was great and just had a fun lore accompanying it. Jules, obviously, you know, people who are familiar with you know how much you love uh, the vampire world. I mean, you have fangs, um, you know, I mean, you really enjoy it. What got you so into and interested in the cult of vampire?
3: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would I would have to say, you know, my mother was really the one who was into it. She's kind of like an elder goth, you know. Wow. Um, she got me into Bela Lugosi's Dracula so young. It was one of the first black and white films I watched. And wow. just that like romantic presence of this, this man on a screen, you know, it was just like, wow. So um, I think that's where it started for me was uh, like black and white film. And then seeing him in Abbott and Costello, you know, with Frankenstein, it started there. Um, and then slowly graduated into Anne Rice, which got a little spicier, you know. But uh, <laughs> that's where it's that's where it started.
1: Yeah, and you know, I would say another film or part of media that we have to mention is Interview with a Vampire. I know a lot yep. of people from a certain yep. generation really enjoyed that one. That's another great one. I will also say, like, even though it can be a little corny at times, I loved True Blood when that <laughs> series came out. Now, admittedly, I didn't finish it. I made it to the last season, and it just felt like the writing was kind of going in too many directions for me um mm-hmm. to enjoy but overall i i love that show and yeah I, vampires are just like i don't really joshua i'm kind of with you i don't know exactly what tier to classify them yeah. in whether it's cryptid supernatural like you know where you're gonna go but i will say and and um uh, my improv friends we used to talk about this sometimes like If I could be a vampire, I I might be one. I don't know if it's the Slytherin in me or what, but I mean, you get immortality, (laughs) you know, I'll figure out the blood sucking part. There's been plenty of ways to do that. I might get a familiar. I mean, there's a lot of pros. I mean, you know, there's some cons, but there's a lot of pros to it. But I will say in preparation for tonight's episode, I did not realize that some of the lore around vampires started with tuberculosis. Did you guys know that?
2: Oh yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I kind of classified in the same uh breath as like witches. I think that um I for one, it, you know, it's it's kind of interesting to see how how vampire lore gets intertwined with like women history. Mm-hmm. Very similar to 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 witch hunts and things like that. Um where it's more so offshoots of um just I, what I call just really feeble and like insecure men just finding a reason to try to to stuff women down and um I think one of the and I also knew about this story just beforehand, just uh the Mercy Brown story. It's a great example yeah. of that. Yes. Um, she was the the daughter of a man named George. Uh their entire family got wiped out with um I believe it was tuberculosis. Yeah. yeah. And consumption the, the uh, time, consumption. Yeah. yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, you know what? We'll just blame like this this random female in the in the random woman in the family because clearly something else is going on, mostly because like, you know. She was, it's a long story. So I'm going to try to wrap this up. Mostly because she was kept uh, above ground in the wintertime in New England. And so her body was more preserved than everybody else. So everybody was like, ah, yeah, she must be a vampire. Um, And carrying on like those old medieval, you know, traditions up into that point. So, yeah, it's a. it's well it's lot. worth
1: it's it's worth noting back then and this goes along with that same story I love how prepared we all are um <laughs> that the the doctors who would be called to the scene of you know accusations of you know this disease deceased person is a vampire or whatever they had a kit a, a literal vampire kit that they would take now most of the things i read is a lot of the doctors had it to disprove the quote-unquote myth of a vampire not to satisfy people's uh accusations that this person or that person is a vampire there's something there's just something cool about vampires i mean they're like in in the lore the what's the show in fx that's so funny right now
3: um oh what we do in the shadows
1: yes i mean that's one of the best things on television right now you know i mean it's so funny uh guillermo is like it's this this hilarious and there's so many different ways to portray the van a vampire in media but like a lot of times they're also really hot, which I think helps yes. when you see them at a young age and are kind of like, this is my thing. I'm going to like <laughs> <Yeah>. this forever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes, 100%. Yes. Um, very, so, very vampire diaries. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, I never saw that and they filmed all of it, if not a lot of it in Atlanta. So at one point I had a lot of friends that were like, Either little bit players or background actors in that, but I, I know it was really popular. Well, Jules, what is your like, you know, you you obviously know so much about this this world when you meet somebody, which I would have to imagine you do in, in your day-to-day life from time to time, who is like, do you actually believe in vampires? I mean, gun to your head, what 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 do you say to somebody if they ask you that? or state
3: well, to your friend, heart. I don't know. If... Much like everything in the paranormal, I think that you have to lend a little bit of credit towards, you know, the mythology and the, the historical events that have happened. You know, obviously, there's a story for a reason. Um, the romantic part of me wants to say, yes, there is something to it. You know, devils and demons are real, and <laughs> thus vampires must be. But At the same time, um, you know, the scientific part of me is like, a lot of this can be explained away by disease and by uh, a lack of knowledge of um, just things that were going on. Um, A lot of the cases, you know, like Mercy Brown, um, they all happened during the 1800s. It was during a time where people were rejecting science and turning back to God and saying that God was doing these things, uh, you know, just like a century earlier in the 1700s prime example of people who still believe in vampires is the case of the Ray family here in Connecticut, uh the Jewett City vampires. It's a whole family that was plagued by consumption. And they unfortunately, um, I mean, if I can get graphic, they they basically burned the organs of one of the alleged vampires and gave it as a tincture to the family and they all contracted consumption and then they were all vampires according to the town uh, but it was really so that they can get the land of the family mm. so like you said it, it was it, it's it's very similar to like the witch trials um so it's hard to like have an opinion of is this real or not because historically it's proven to be about greed
1: (laughs) do you know why there's such a vampiric lore like in Transylvania where that all starts
3: yes (laughs) it it comes back to the brutality of of, uh Vlad the Impaler Vlad Tepes you know he he was the Impaler um what happened it was he was uh fighting against an army and because of it um showed like the brutality of mankind and the people of transylvania and romania revere him as a hero for it um and they kind of play into the lore uh that he's a vampire it really started unfortunately because of bram stoker um he went there and made this romantic story um and that's why we have it but um whether or not he's a real vampire we don't know you know if he shows up and knocks on my door i'll let you know
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and Uh, and it and a cute little side note to that, uh, something that I discovered recently, just kind of looking through just the Dracula lore too, uh, mm-hmm. when he would like impale his victims, uh, it said, and this is this is lore that he would dip his food into like the yep, the, the, the blood bread. that would drip off, mm-hmm. and uh, and eat it. And so um, he was a uh, he was a real deal, uh, yeah, which ruthless. you know, yeah, and it, it really <laughs> added to his legend um and you know I, and like you said, I think Bram Stoker really kind of stoked um yeah. those uh the, those lore the like the lore around him even though he was like nah like I didn't make this off of him yeah. but it, the, the similarities are are striking
3: they're uncanny you know what I mean <laughs> like it's like
2: so I was kind of scrounging around on the
1: internet looking for I mean obviously you know we we know the story of Dracula like we were just talking and and there are other ones that are pretty popular this is one that i was not as familiar with and i mean look, the internet claims that this happened and and i i do think this person was real now how much of this story is true i don't know and then jules you you may have heard of this um i i have not but it's the story of peter p-l-o-g-o-j-o-w-i-t-z anybody want to take a stab at that
0: plow, Plowedwitz?
1: Plowedwitz? plow we're gonna Ooh. call him plow. That's not my specialty Yeah, we're going to call him Peter Plow. Um, So yeah, Peter P. So Peter (laughs) essentially died in the 1730s. And people started claiming that they saw him going around the village after he was dead. People were even claiming that they'd wake up in the middle of the night. And he would be like shaking their bed furiously to get their intention. Now, as someone who has interviewed people for three years about their ghost stories, the first thing in my head was like, He's a ghost. It's just a ghost haunting the yep. village, right? But then his wife even said, like, no, you know, I have been seeing him. We've been hanging out. And then he disappears during the day and then he's back at night. So the village got in a big tizzy about it and went and dug him up. And, and they said they opened his casket and he was alive. And uh, did they greet him and say, How'd you do this? Such a neat trick. No, they burned him. <laughs> they <laughs> they killed him. So was he? An actual Uh, vampire? As you do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or was he somebody who, you know, wanted to escape his normal life and faked his own death? Or is it all a fallacy? I don't know. Listeners, write in. Let us know if you're a friend of Peter's. I I would love to know what really happened. (laughs) But have you guys heard any other stories like that, that people want to try to convince us like, hey, this person really is or was a vampire?
3: There are a number of cases where they were published in newspapers uh, where they claimed that there were vampires, uh, most notably the Highgate vampire case over in England, I think this was like 1968 or something. Um, it, it was like a political They were saying that there was there was this top vampire figure in Highgate Cemetery, like stalking this group of unruly teens. And uh, there was opposing vampire hunters that went at it and they were really politicians. They were it was like a political thing that they're Uh trying to run for office. So um, I don't know. There's like a lot of cases of things like that where they're trying to convince people.
1: This episode of The Real Haunting's Real Ghost Stories podcast is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey everyone, it's Noah Daniels and I'm here to talk to you again about Wild Grain. Our last shipment of Wild Grain was so good that my four-year-old cannot stop asking for more of that awesome bread with dinner. And I'm not going to lie, I'm right there with him. And honestly, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh bread baked coming from the oven. What if I told you that you too could get that delicious experience of homemade bread with none of the time and work involved? Well, you can by ordering from Wild Grain. Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. And you can now fully customize your Wild Grain box, so you can choose any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries.
4: Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm.
1: Yeah, it does seem like people take advantage of the lore of vampire to create their boogeyman to kind of push whatever narrative forward or just to explain disease at a time where, you know, they kind of struggle to understand. Why is this awful yeah. thing happening to all of us? Joshua, I heard it like you had maybe heard some stories or read some stories as well.
2: Yeah, this is actually a story that this kind of uh, a nod back to the beginning. It was the one that kind of got me hooked as well. Um, back in New Orleans, it was the story around uh, Jacques St. Tremaine. Um, he's, he's like a legend in, in New Orleans, but I was I was young. I didn't I was this story absolutely terrified me. And I'm, I'm going to try to remember this off the top of my head. Uh, so forgive me if it's really short uh, because I don't quite remember it all. But um, essentially, he was um, the son of some really wealthy guy, um, and he came to New Orleans. And he was a known womanizer, and um, he would go down into New, like the the downtown area, to to court uh, w- women for his uh, you know uh, escapades. I would say. And one night, a woman jumped off the balcony. Of 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 the second story, and was running frantically down the streets, uh, and basically said that he tried he like was assaulted her and like bit her neck, Mm -hmm. Um, and from that point he uh, allegedly disappeared. But people from that time, I want to say it was in the 1600s. That that sounds right, but it might be off. Um, But people have allegedly seen him stalking the streets uh, since then uh kind of lending to the 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 lore about you know biting the neck disappearing maybe being a vampire uh immortality people still seeing him uh and uh it's something that a lot of believe it or not a lot of people still believe in like there's been a lot of encounters where people have described the same kind of figure um that matches his description saying no i saw this guy down here so that really got me fascinated too um because like what <laughs> and yeah. also um, yeah like i vampires are so hard to explain away that yeah. it just makes you so curious and i'm a curious person by nature uh so that story after watching blade and then hearing that story i was pretty much hooked from that point yeah.
1: jules just for joshua's sake can you tell him about how you acquired your fangs because i think that's a oh, pretty yeah. cool story
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. So um, I actually was fanged down in New Orleans. I used to go to the Vampire Ball every year. Oh, cool! <laughs> so, I love yeah. that. it's just so, cool.
1: is so. Oh wild. yeah,
3: I was fanged down in New Orleans. I did the whole shebang. I went to <laughs> all the all the night clubs, all the vampires. And oh, it was just, you know, just a grand old time. And, I, you know, it's funny, the story you're telling is actually uh, the loose concept for Lestat in the Vampire Chronicles. That's actually what Anne Rice was writing about. Um, Oh, wow. Yes. So people believe that Lestat is actually him and this is real. Like they really thought that she met him. So a neat little tidbit there.
2: Well, that's, uh, I'm putting that in (laughs) my my cap. That's awesome. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that. That's really cool. And and yeah. Jules, if Joshua
1: wakes up tomorrow and he goes, you know what, kids, Daddy's going to get fanged. How would he even go about <laughs> do, doing that?
3: <laughs> Write me a little message. I'll get you in contact. We'll, <laughs> we'll go down together.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. It, you know, I'm, I am fascinated though. I'm kind of switching gears from the actual concept of vampires to the actual yeah. um culture of uh. Like, I I'm, I don't know the best term to use. So I'm I'm gonna try just like the human vampire kind of culture. Yeah. Um, I I know that there can be probably a lot of discrepancies and like uh like false pretenses as to what that actually is. Um could you actually talk more about, you know, what that culture uh really encompasses, so to speak.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um so a lot of people in the community um typically are practitioners, uh like magic practitioners, you know, I should say occult practitioners. That's what I would identify as. Um, it is For some people, it is very tied to spirituality, Um, you know, the act of, like, taking energy or, you know, if you're sanguine or things of that nature, there are different, like, ideas of what a living vampire is. Um, And for a lot of people, it's about community. For me, it's about spirituality. Um, I'm one of those living vampires. Um, You know, uh, every time that they try to get a group of us together, it never pans out well because it's all about, like, ego in this community, unfortunately. Mm um ironically the vampires have ego shocking (laughs) yeah um but it's um a lot of the balls you see a lot of them in my opinion aren't um really of the community um and the community is usually on the down low um we used to meet on vampire freaks which is like the myspace for goths back in the day yeah that was years ago um and there was there was a couple other like forums and chat rooms and stuff and there are private meetings but um there's the vampire community network the vcn if you ever want to look into it um where you can look up there's like a newsletter and things like that and um there's still um like sections of the united states that are run by like royals or whatever i don't really play into it i could care less it's it's more it's more of like a spiritual path for me than anything
2: what do you guys take from kind of the myth or the the legend of vampires
3: I think more than anything, it is kind of like the exchange of like taking something living from something else and I don't know, transforming it in a way, um, you know, it's not like eternal life or anything dramatic like that. When people tell you that, I think you should kind of walk the other way, I, <laughs> you know, like, you know, there's neither here nor there though. Um, but yeah, it's more so about just like transforming like energy and um i don't know thoughts experiences like i said if you're sanguine it's like that kind of thing taking like the physical of something and transforming it into personal power in some way um so that's kind of where it lies it's it, it, it is more of like an occult practice than anything
2: i think that's i think that's pretty cool to talk about kind of the energy transference and the the changing the alchemy yeah. of a of a vampire uh because i mean when you think of vampires you also think of you know um you know, Morbius turning into a bat yes. or you think of Dracula turning into a bat or you think of the the other occasions where vampires turn into um, a different animal. So like a wolf or something, which also the, the lycanthropy that's connected with vamp- vampirism is also, you would think that they're separate because of Twilight, but they're actually very connected. Very um, Yes, very connected. So I think that's really cool that um, even in the, now that I know the term, the living vampire space is still a lot about changing things into something else um do you do you know where that kind of originates from though just the the changing into from human to animal to immortality just kind of uh where that started
3: I want to be honest with you um this is something that has like goes back to ancient Egypt with like Sekhmet uh the goddess who essentially was a vampire um and like the people who followed her kind of believed what we do um so it's something that has just kind of I don't know, like it's very like word of mouth. There's not a lot of literature about it. You kind of have to just find people who know about ancient history and like the gods and goddesses of different cultures that fall into it. Um, but I, I think it really it really took off probably, I'd say the late 70s, um, at least in the UK and in the US. That's where it kind of like blew up, you know. Um, and before that, it was kind of just like religious sects who who followed um that kind of vampire pathway with the gods and goddesses who fall into that genre you know
2: and I and I guess I want I kind of want to touch on something that I, I brought up earlier um when it does mm-hmm. come to to lycanthropy like do you know where that connection kind of starts I you see it and you kind of see them either on opposing sides or the same sides um where how do those kind of tie into each other
3: I mean if you, again, if you kind of look at mythology throughout the world, there is a very blurred line. Um, there's like West African lore about things like that, where it's kind of like that, like beast that's also drinks blood, but is like, it walks on all fours and things like that. So, um, even in Japan, they have stories of it. So I think it's just always been this, um, I don't know this idea of a beast that takes life force and I think that the lines have always just kind of blurred like that um, and then there was a very strong distinction once Hollywood stepped in and they were like oh we can turn this into you know another character you know so I think that that's kind of just it's just always kind of gone hand in hand in that sense if my personal opinion at least.
1: Makes sense to me. (laughs) Jules what is your favorite portrayal of vampires in media?
3: In media? Oh, um, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, oh my gosh. Um, okay. So it, this was unreleased, obviously, um, for one reason or another, the films were lost. But if you ever get the chance, look up Lon Chaney in London after midnight. He is terrifying. He has all, every tooth is sharp. Um, he kind of, uh, the Babadook is like, it took inspiration from that image. This is like, we're talking like nineteen twenty i think this is before bella lugosi that has to be one of my favorite he was terrifying for the era i mean like shocking um him blade i had a three-foot poster on my wall for blade all throughout (laughs) high school like i i love him i can't i can't not love him um i would say him (laughs) for sure um you know we all love blade (laughs) He, he did it you know he just did it um and then uh yeah, I think like all of Anne Rice's books too, I think they just really hit the, the nail on the head. Um, and she's a very, she was a very spiritual person and uh, tied that into her books. And I think it was just very relatable and digestible because of mm-hmm. that.
1: I think you and I have talked maybe on a previous episode or maybe just in DMs. My favorite is the uh, You Suck series with Christopher Moore. I just, yes. I'm, a, I'm a sucker for uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that series. Yes. Um this he's just so funny the way he writes that that world and I'm also a sucker whenever it's like a nerd trying to fall in love with somebody and you know yada 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 Joshua gets it. um no,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah well that's that's cool. I think those are some good recommendations as well Joshua I am I'm curious and Jules I'll ask you this too if you were to be turned into a vampire, you've got to take on the whole lore of immortality you know uh blood yada yada what uh, why am i saying yada yada that's not my catchphrase <laughs> if you had to take that on what age would you say would be the perfect age and what age would you say would be the worst age to be turned immortal
2: okay i can answer this one pretty quickly uh the best age would be 25 by far hmm. um my body uh wasn't wasn't uh catching up to 30 yet so uh you know i was still in my prime i could still you know land on things flat-footed all that good stuff so i felt like i was in peak physical condition um the absolute worst age uh would probably be like near death so like 9 80, 8 90 um just because like you can't even really enjoy it like even if i turn into an animal i'm still kind of creeping along the ground um not really having having fun. You know if i'm a bat like my wing has arthritis so like <laughs> how, how how am i really gonna fly i'm kind of more it's so dragging bat. myself it's so, so um yeah uh, 20 25 would be peak um i think like you know you add you know the blood sucking with some working out and you could really just you could be living it up you might even get some sun intolerance too um <laughs> along the way well Jules is always in her peak. So I'm sure
1: this is going to be a hard <laughs> question for her. Jules, what would be your uh, best and worst in that
3: scenario? All right. So because I'm a big fan of literature, I've I've read so many different uh, ages of people who like when they were turned. Um, and like, for those of you who have read uh, the Vampire Chronicles, there's a vampire called Marius and he's about 45 and he just blends in easier with society because he's like an older guy. You know what I mean? Hmm. I honestly think like, I don't, I've, I've always heard, like, once you hit your 40s, you're hit, like, a second peak, like, it's like, you're, you're alive again. And I was like, hmm, maybe if I was, like, 45, you know what I mean? Like, you're midway between the end of your life, and you've, you've done enough emotional growth as a person to understand what you should and should not do for the rest of eternity. And uh, I don't know, maybe you've had a family by then, and you have, a, you have a lineage that you can look over for the rest of eternity. I think that's, I think it's kind of neat. I think that's something that I would... I, I can't, obviously. I've already been tired. No I'm kidding. But you <laughs> wink, know, wink. Uh, yeah. yeah <laughs> you know, but uh I, I think like middle age would probably be good. Worst age for me, anything under 18, I think, is ridiculous. And I like you said, I think anything over like 80, it's just not worth it. I think um I think you're gonna take with you ailments. Um, even if you're in like the most peak physical, you know, status of your life, I still think it would be uh kind of a bummer to be. Yeah. An eighty-five-year-old vampire trying to court, you know, twenty-year-olds. That's weird. <laughs> Yikes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You definitely would want to be in the vampire <laughs> community weird. trying to do that. Um, I w- yeah,
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> like <our> I, <laughs> Exactly. I think like uh, peak for me would probably be about twenty-eight, and then worst. I don't know. I think like a nine-year-old would be pretty rough. Like. I think it's super horrible. young would be worse than uh, yeah. old, uh, but yeah. that's just that's fair personal preference. Um, uh, well, it's good good to know where everybody lands, uh, <laughs> as, as where they would want to be immortal. <laughs> well, where do you guys see the vampire lore going as we all get older? Do you think because right now it's really in vogue? I think the show on FX is helped, blade is getting um redone, so that's mm-hmm. gonna give it another boost. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is one of those genres that I feel like about every 10 years, we get something pretty big as far as like a movie, a TV show. And then there's always constantly uh, books that are being released. I mean, I think we all are at least interested in the idea of immortality and you throw in, you know, blood, sex and and whatever else and it becomes, gets pretty <laughs> Rock <entertaining>. and roll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, where do you, do you guys think this trend will continue? Do you see it kind of falling out or how how does it move on from here?
3: I don't know. I, I like to think of, of um think as far back as the early 1800s when the first vampire books came out um i think it's been going on now for you know let's say about 200 years literature wise and i honestly think that it's not going to slow down i think that people um are always looking for ways to extend their life and immortality is something that uh people really kind of like yearn for subconsciously um and because of that the concept of it and the concept of like I don't know, beating death, you know, and things of that nature. I think that's like a universal feeling. And therefore, vampires will always be, I don't know, in, in media, because of that, it's always relatable. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Joshua, what do you think? Um, I, I tend to agree with that, too. I think vampires are, are kind of one of one as well. There's no other, you know, entity that's like a vampire. I mean, the closest thing you have is I, you know, very similar to the, the beasts that, you know, drink the blood, but you know, then you have dog, man, and that kind of goes off into its own lore. So um, I, you know, I kind of wonder a little bit just with the, the generations coming up, just, I, I can't really gauge, you know, what they're really interested in. But I think once that, that curiosity hits about immortality, and, um, yeah. you know, how uh, to achieve that, and, and the curiosity, and, and that mixes with, um just new modern adaptions of entities and properties like blade uh i think i think vampires will stick around and maybe outlast other uh other urban legends and other uh cryptids as well or cryptid hybrid you know like creatures as well uh from that alone um yeah. and i know with you know i personally still watch blade to this day and look at it and it's like man like They really like nailed this and I think that with Marvel Marvel, with the way the place that it is now, I think that it'll touch the generation and exactly how they want to be you know reached uh, by re-expanding what it means to be a vampire and I think that that will start a a new kind of cultural wave um, from there because I I do do think Marvel kind of dictates, especially with like better effects, um, better you know ideas, more diversity, more like fleshed out thoughts around vampires I think um that will help push more properties like that very similar to like how zombies kind of popped up and just kind of stayed yeah
1: absolutely and jules this is kind of my my last question i guess for the evening as we probably get close to wrapping up there's it, it seems like at least for a while especially like in the 2000s party culture especially like raves really embraced kind of that the you know goth vampire scene Is there still currently like I know know you've mentioned like the vampire um, balls, but is is there something currently going on that people should really put on their radar is like a can't miss party where you can go in and experience all that that kind of cult of personality has to offer.
3: If this was 2019, I would say yes. Unfortunately, um, a lot of these clubs that threw events like that did not survive uh, financially. Um, Mm. That's unfortunately what happened. Uh, There were a lot of clubs in New York City that were exactly like the opening of Blade, if you can picture. Wow. And uh, unfortunately, (laughs) they just... They couldn't financially sustain themselves. I really don't think that bars can and like clubs can sustain themselves for a long time, unfortunately, because culture changes. Um, If something does come up, I'll obviously drop you a line and let you know so we can all go together. But yes, unfortunately right now there isn't... um, there isn't anything we can really do about it. We have to just kind of watch Blade and live vicariously through <laughs> the blood sprinkler scene, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> we of course do.
1: Um, well, yeah. Well, that's a fair response. Joshua, did you have anything else as we wrap up?
2: I guess when it comes to the culture, what what would you like people to know, you know, about, you know, what it what it means to to be a part of uh what I would consider a movement?
3: Yeah. Um, I think I think what I want people to understand is that, um, you know, just because Hollywood depicts things a certain way, just like being a practitioner, like an occult practitioner, just because Hollywood depicts it a certain way, it doesn't mean people are actually like that. Um, I don't think that people are as corny and cringy as they think they are. Um, like, we're just normal people. I had a desk job before I started doing online work. You know what I mean? Um I think another thing, too, is just accepting that there isn't um, there isn't just one way to be spiritual. And there um, are many paths throughout history that uh, we're still following in modern times. And because of that, you know, it doesn't make us any different than people who have been following Christianity for the last however many hundreds of thousands of years. You know what I mean? So um, I think just accepting that some people live a different alternative lifestyle. That's what it comes down to.
1: I love that. And if you don't accept it, get bit. Right. right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wow, guys. Well, this has been so much fun. I, I really, uh you know i feel like i'm getting to know joshua through these episodes and and growing to really enjoy creating with him and jules you're somebody that i often wish i could catch up with but you know how this creative world goes it's it's hard sometimes to make left. that happen so it's great to see your face again hear your voice and i'm excited to share it with the real hauntings audience joshua i will throw it to you and let you wrap up
2: okay um well it was it was awesome having you here jules um i am going to make sure to catch you on tiktok as well um i I popped in on a on a live reading uh the other day and it was pretty awesome not gonna lie (laughs) i i enjoyed it um so uh for everybody who's listening where can they find you at
3: you can find me um i'm at the hex baby on every social media platform literally just at the hex (laughs) baby
2: i like that consistent Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and Noah, where can everybody find you, even though they're currently listening to you right now?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, so you can check out all the Real Haunting stuff at real hauntings podcast yes so you can email us at real at gmail.com and on instagram we are real hauntings podcast and tiktok we're real hauntings podcast we're on facebook and TikTok, uh, facebook and twitter but we're not very active there sadly but we are getting more active on tiktok so make sure you check us out there and we're continuing trying to book interesting guests i just spoke with somebody today who um had a decent run on the travel channel and has agreed to come on. So I'm not going to spoil that yet, but hopefully I will be recording with them next week. So, yeah. And if you're listening and you have a supernatural convention cruise, any of that kind of stuff, book the Real Hauntings podcast, because we have an uh, extremely awesome network of friends and almost family to this point that we would love to all come and be a part of your event. So yeah, check us out. And Joshua, if they want to find you, where can they check you (laughs) out?
2: If you are interested, uh, please find me everywhere on all socials at Joshua Darren, uh, D-A-I-R-E-N. And I'm going to say that one more time, D-A-I-R-E-N and uh, shoot me a message, throw me a comment, watch a video, share something, give me some suggestions. I would take it all and uh, yeah, try to try to entertain you guys. So uh, that's it for the Crypti Countdown. We are going to number six. And once again, I'm not gonna tell you what it is. You just have to tune in and find out what it is. But hopefully it's gonna be great like these other conversations that we've had. So until then,
0: be safe.